I've got a very special guest because I think he's been working on the opposite, opposite side of the counter a little bit longer than I have been. I've been in the trade for nearly 25 years and today I've got Johnny with me, or Joao as he is known. Or likes to be known. Likes to be known. We just call him Johnny, but that... Yeah, it's just easier. It's easier. So Johnny, tell us, you started in the liquor business at the tender age of? 12. 12. <laughs> that is a bit young. It's not normal, is it? <laughs> no, it most certainly isn't. Uh, and how did that happen? You are, you are based in, in Camperdown? Or, yes. Or in 3 yeah. City, as we call it. Um, the brand, N3 yeah. City. Exit 57 on the N3, yeah. Yeah. And you started working in your, in your family bottle store then? Yes, so... Weren't you supposed to be in school? It was school holidays. Oh, uh, was it that I can't record. Yeah. Um, so what happened is my parents owned the building and the tenant closed up. So... Uh, it wasn't your bottle store? It wasn't our bottle store. The, somebody was leasing it or renting it. And um, my dad owned the Caterage bottle store, which I used to help at with as a kid growing up, but no, no real work. And... Um, one day to the next, he decided to fill up the bottle store in Camperdown, and he worked with me for four days. I was 12, and then he just left me by myself. Me and one other person, I worked behind the counter, and the other guy merchandised and helped customers, the, like the very few customers we had. I mean, our first day was uh, like, okay. yeah. And you, you counted the money and cashed up and all that stuff. Yeah, all 64 rand of it on the first day. <laughs> <laughs> and what year was that? It would have been 99, hey? 99, okay. Yeah, so it was, we, I worked there for a bit and then, uh, so I was the first, let's call it manager, and then... It's uh, about 20 years ago, hey? Uh, yeah, nine, yeah, 18, 19 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like yesterday. I remember the Cater Ridge bottle store because they had a massive banner outside for that beer, that Natal beer, what was it called? Freeman's Lager. Freeman's Lager. I've heard, I've heard stories about that. Oh, was it before your time? Yeah, like, like long before my time. Was it? Okay. Yeah. So you were about six then? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to chat to your dad about that. He's got a lot of stories with regards to SAB, Freeman's Lager, and how it all transpired. And, okay. Yeah. All right, and then let's check from, from the age of 12. Did you only work in the holidays, or was it the end of your schooling? It was, <laughs> I think that's when my schooling started, to be honest. But um, that's when I worked in the bottle store, and then it was during school holidays at the time. And as time went on, like I would work on school holidays or weekends, but nothing serious. And I remember I was now going into high school. Uh, it was okay that I played rugby on weekends, but the fact that I did any other sport was a no-go for my dad. It was like, no, I must go to work in the bottle store. And uh, they took up too much of your work time. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Did that mean he had to work if you, you went there? That's exactly what happened, you know. Uh, we did, eventually, did, they did get staff and it was a bit easier. Um, and I remember when I was about 15 years old, my parents also owned taverns. And I said to my dad, I was like, Dad, let me run the tavern in Camperdown, pay me a thousand rand a month, and I will run it for you so you don't have to do anything. 
you know, I'd do the paperwork, the orders, and we had a lady who'd been with my family for, yes, yonks already, uh, Dana, and she worked behind the, the bar or the tavern, and I would run it with her. Yeah, it was that, that when my actual career started. Okay. And uh, well, I don't know how many times, but, you know, over, over the years, my mom would call me back from school or I wouldn't go to school in the morning because the manager that was at the bottle store wasn't at work. I would work. That's pretty much how it happened. It's just and, ingrained and, in me. And the school was okay with it? I think everybody kind of understood that I was never going to become a doctor or a scientist. I was definitely going into business. Like uh, I've because always had that Cam passion. I already had a doctor, and I met him the other day. Yes, you did. So, so there was no point in having two. No, doctors. Don't need two doctors. Don't need two doctors. <laughs> okay, but uh, and at school, you, I mean, you did the shopping at Macro and uh, Liberty Liquors. Yes, I mean, this was before we were at Tops. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd literally walk in. So Daniel, who, who'd also who's also been with my family for decades um, would pick me up at school take on my lunch break take me to macro liberty for me to do my shopping you know for the, for the store in my school uniform and then I'd buy everything and then I'd go back to work or back to work back to school he would go back to the store with the with the booze and I would then phone them or message them and tell them what to do with pricing etc okay and were you a boarder or? I was a day scholar. Day scholar. So yeah. unfortunately, you had the, other, the after hours to catch up on your on your real business. Yeah, it's pretty much. <laughs> I, I, I was never a scholar though. Like, uh, I'll be honest. So I was in boarding school, and I, and I, I can promise you, people like you would have been nagged and bribed and corrupted to bring along something in your bag and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> For the, for the for the borders, but I, I'm sure that didn't happen at. I can, at, I, I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> anything at this point. <laughs> I can say though that there were teachers that I would supply, okay. you know, with, without a problem. You yeah. know, so if they needed something, they needed some wine. I'd more than happy. They'd rather buy from you than. From yes, <laughs> I actually remember a wine. It was called Gecko Ridge Shiraz. It cost me twelve rand seventy three at the time. Don't ask me why I remember this, but and I was selling them for twenty rand a bottle. I remember selling a lot of that wine to my history teacher, and I think it was my math teacher. They both really liked it, and I mean we'd had it already for years. I'd bought it like as I started, yeah. and the stuff was still there for like five years later. Uh, but it really needed to get out. Okay, so that was one way of uh, turning some stock, or, or ensuring a pass. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh, Graham, up at school, you, you had time for rugby, but not much else in Nuggies. Well, look, I did play a lot of sport, but it wasn't on weekends, so it was okay. Uh, you know, uh, I remember shortly after I actually worked in the bottle store, my dad had a guy named Raphael um, who worked in the bottle store, who became the manager. And he actually almost built a kitchen. So he used to work for my parents in Ridge. They used to work together there. And then he... Somehow, you know, through transitions, he ended up working in Camperdown Bottle Store. He actually built a kitchen behind the counter. So I'd, like, when I finished school, if I finished early enough, I'd run to work, you know, to the bottle store to go and eat food and talk to Raphael and see how it's going every day because it was just so much fun. I think and that's normal. Um, if it's something that I learned on, on the East Rand, visiting being exposed to the Portuguese guys on the East End, the first thing they do when you arrive is they offer you food. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and, and drink, and normally you end up not being able to drive home. 
and one particular one is the guys in, in Mayerton, there's a massive wholesaler and I, I tell you it's very dangerous to <laughs> do a call there, you make sure you go early in the morning, otherwise you never leave. But definitely food and hospitality is, is part of the, the Portuguese culture as far as I can work it out. No, it definitely is, that's why I've got such an awesome physique. <laughs> 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 I kind of have no choice. <laughs> That's why you have to get on your bicycle. Yes. Um, and in those days, what, I mean, tell us a little bit about your family. Your family is, I mean, you, all, of, all your uncles and your mother and father are obviously very much involved in retailing and have been for a long time. Yes. But, but you didn't start with super spas. No, we definitely didn't. I mean, from what I understand is when my grandfather came to South Africa, he was supposed to be a cop. Because you know, he was a policeman in Madeira, um, little island. And so there is, a, there is some of that blood, which... Well, has transpired into my father, this is oh, true. Okay. Um, but they, they pretty much started with nothing. Uh, my, dad, my grandfather worked for Escor in Funabel Park, and then somehow he ended up in Hammersdale in a tea room. And from there, then they ended up in Camperdown, as my dad was growing up, with the tea room. My dad then dropped out of school and went into, um, he worked for his godfather. Quite interestingly enough, my dad wasn't allowed to get the salary, it was my, my grandfather. Because he was too young or what? I don't know what it was, but it's my like grandfather kind of like, no, 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 the money comes to me, not to, not to John. And then eventually my dad made a deal with his, his godfather and said, no, 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 it comes to me. My dad saved every penny and they bought Ashburton Tea Room. Um, okay. Yeah, and... Uh, I don't know, they obviously grew it from there and my dad then was supposed to marry someone else. So he went to Madeira, was supposed to marry some other woman, like kind of an arranged marriage if you want to call it. Saw my mom, fell in love with her instead, chose to marry her. I don't know, after a couple of months of chatting on the phone, they used to have to phone at a certain time because in the village my mom lived in, there was only one phone. So my mom would have to go to the vendor, so like the tea room in the village to speak to my dad or my dad would phone them and say look please can you get uh, Leonore here in mm. an hour's time or whatever so I can phone her that type of thing and eventually went there married her brought her home as in back to South Africa and my mom only spoke Portuguese no English no Zulu no nothing and she started working behind the counter in Ashburton tea room and I guess now she's fluent in Zulu and Portuguese Zulu Portuguese and English she she's got <laughs> she's got it taped <laughs> Okay, and have you still got a special link with Madeira, or is that, did that end with your dad and your mother? No, we got a lot of family there, and I mean, as a kid growing up, I mean, there was a stage, I think I was four, four or five years old. My, I went with my dad, he left me there. I don't know what I did, but he literally left me in Madeira. <laughs> did he and not forget you? <laughs> I have no idea what happened. Like, and six months later, my, sister, my sisters and my mom arrived to pick me up. At the time, I couldn't even speak English. I never spoke English. I spoke Portuguese fluently. I remember my grand, my, my, my mom's brother uh, giving me, like making me hand tools, you know, because we used to work in the, go not in the gardens, but in the fields. So he made miniature tools for me, he gave me rabbits. Like I, I, I literally had an entrenched life there. Did you pick up a passport? Oh, I'm, I'm Portuguese. Oh, I'm South African Portuguese, so I, I have a passport. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and are they farmer? Do they farm up? They used to. I mean, it's obviously developed a lot more and they're a lot okay. older now. My mom is, 
Not your, not your mom, your family in, in Madeira. Well, well, my mom is 30 years younger than her oldest sibling, I think oh, it is. Okay. Uh, she's one of, she was one of 17 kids. Interesting. So it was a massive family. And uh, the, my aunts and my uncles are a lot older now, so they don't farm the land like they once did. Okay. Yeah. It actually looks like, I don't know if you ever played the game Lords of the Ring, or Lords of the Realm, sorry, or Age of Empires. You'll see how they, the, the farmland looked. That's exactly what like, the village my mom came from used to look like. So you see the, the, I don't know, the little mounds, and you see the potatoes, and then you'll see carrots, and then you'll see wheat, and then, you know, it was, it was fascinating. I mean, we had a, there was a pig on the premises. Mm -hmm. Above the pigsty was the chickens. Uh, when, now, this is like my earliest memories. Uh, next to that was the long drop, um, and then there was the, what do you call it for the cows? The shed for the, for, for the cows, all on the same premises, and like you get fresh eggs, and then like, I'd go and, unfortunately for my aunt, take the, the, the fresh pumpkins and that and feed the pig, and like we'd milk the cow, and, and that's like, you know, real hands on. And it was really rural, so it's like really. Very organic, it sounds. You no, know, definitely, very, very organic. <laughs> Although I know that they did use poisons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And, and, but fortunately, you came back to South Africa and you settled in nicely. Since 12, you've been retailing in. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I actually started a lot earlier than that. So as a kid growing up, we. Okay. We had to work. I don't know what it was. And uh, being Portuguese and real traditional family, um, from about six, seven years old, I had to work behind the counter, the cigarette counter at, uh, uh, let's call it Camperdown Harper, because at the time it was that, um, at Camperdown Harper. And I, and I remember, I can't remember who it was, but I remember a policeman being like, more than once, they'd be like, no, you're too young to work behind the counter. And I'd run to the office and my dad would be like, hey, listen, you're my son, you go back to work. <laughs> and you know, you'd have to go back to work, get on your coat crate and carry on. Yeah, you're obviously at a, at a higher level than me. I was only allowed to work in the sweet counter. <laughs> my, my family are farmers, and but I'd always chose to visit my friend at the local trading store, and we'd I'd work for for his dad, and the two of us ended up in the sweet counter. I think maybe yeah, we chose to like, work like there. like two well, for you, one for me type maybe. thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we also tried cigarettes. I remember buying Paul Revere when I was about six. And hiding it behind the crawl wall, um, and smoking the odd, you know, really trying to smoke, it didn't <laughs> really work. But <laughs> so yeah, retailing is also in my blood. Um, and when you left school, came back. So, so when I left school, the, the idea was, you know, let's study and you know, mm. try and become the student, and you know, and I tried. I mean, I, I did six months of varsity college uh, okay. through UNISA, did well. Yeah, reasonably yeah. well. I found it really boring. Like it didn't. Like, I don't feel, feel like it challenged me enough. We went overseas that year. Um, it was the year we they opened, my parents opened the spa. And it had been like a long couple of years of you know building this thing. And uh, is this the current spa? The current spa, yeah. yeah. So we went overseas for like two months. It was absolutely awesome. And uh, I never re-registered for UNISA. And needless mm, to say, I never went what? back. Yeah, like I just like uh, retail just became it. Like I worked yeah. in the bottle store and was my baby. Uh, I literally spent every waking day from Monday to Sunday. And that's Sunday. about 13, 15 years ago, you said. 
was it like 12, 13 years ago? Yeah. When you, when you opened the new N360. So it's, yeah, Spa opened in 2006. And um, that, that whole development, how long did that take to build? Okay, so it started in 2003. Yeah. Um, I remember them demolishing everything to start. And it completed properly in 2009. Okay. So it's like uh, the spa itself opened in 2006. Three years later, I think like a year and a half or so later, KFC came and then Tops was moved eventually after my dad and I seemed to agree with the size. Okay. Okay. And it's... Uh so the retailing is now in the spa group. You still got some other little retail businesses going, but the main thing is Camperdown Super Spa. Yes. So like that's the what do you call it? Flagship. The flagship, that, yeah. and that's the home ground where, where we, my family's been for over forty years now. On that in that spot there. Uh, well, oddly enough, they started across the street. Okay. Where the tea room used to be, someone else ran the spa. Where Mr. Parak is. No, so. You know, there's a Facebook building, Duval Center. Okay. Used to be a little tea room there. That's where it began. Okay. And then it went to the hotel bottle store, then it went to the bottle store, and then they sold the tea room and okay. somehow through a long train ended up in the supermarket business again. Although liquors are so much more fun. I mean, the trading hours used to be, I mean, we used to close at two o'clock on a Saturday. And I remember this because Katie Rich used to close at 2 o'clock on a Saturday, and Camperdown used to close at 5. And one of my, my Legally, or...? No, no, that was the trading hours. And one of my best mates, um, uh, JC, used to work in Cater Ridge, and I used to have to work in Camperdown, you know, as kids growing up. I mean, I started when I was 12, he started when he was like 15, 16, as well, working in the model store. He's and not the one that married your sister. It is the guy that married my sister. Oh, okay. We've been friends for 25 years. And uh, <laughs> I used to hate it because he used to finish work and then come and tease me in Camperdown because he had nothing else to do because he's finished work. And I had to carry on working for an extra couple of hours. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, the, the plans at uh, Super Spa, I mean, it's, it's been going for a long time now. Um, when was, is your dad still involved? Um, you know, coming to your point earlier, my dad is more of a, um, like he's very involved with community work, policing, okay. uh, CPF. Uh, he lives his passion, let's call it. You know, he seems to really enjoy getting involved with community projects. I mean, he phoned me earlier to say he had to go and help a farmer with, with a community issue. It's just what he really enjoys doing yeah. and he's passionate about it. Although, it's still my parents, they still own it. It's, it's their, their business. Their business, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. And... Um can you share some plans that you've got for this bar? Are they, how? So where we want to go from here is, you know, through, through lots of thoughts and, and communication, well, most people don't know where the Dorpi Camperdown is. Okay. Most people don't even know it exists. And when you do know it exists, it's for a specific reason. Uh, one of the things, like, before I realized we were on exit 57, uh, is, I don't know if you remember, there used to be the rainbow chicken sign that used to say, no hooting please, yes. chicken's resting. Yes. Was and it on, was and that was on the Camperdown turnoff. <laughs> was it? Okay. Yeah. So, so everybody knows that sign. Yeah. Everyone remembers that and associates Camperdown with that one sign. And yeah. I mean, that thing came down, I don't know, how long ago. And um, so now we want to actually change that. You know, we... 
want people to know that we're on exit 57. It's very close to the highway. And uh, we want to expand our experience. Not even the range. Not Just really want to enhance the experience of our little Dorpi being in three city and Camperdown growing that. Okay, um, because you are ideally situated I and mean, you, you could be the mid-rand of KZN, I guess. That is definitely the plan. I mean, I remember <laughs> as a kid growing up saying to my dad, um, Dad, Mom, why did you choose Camperdown of all places to live? Like, my uncles all lived in Maritzburg and we were the only ones who just, for some reason, are living in this nothing town, you know, being in the middle of nowhere, Camperdown. And yeah. my dad was like, no, no, no. Because my parents also own the Cage Ridge Hotel. So it's like, you situated yourself here, what's the reason? And he's like, no, no, it's, it's going to become the, the next mid-rand of, you know, South Africa. It's definitely going to grow. 35 years later, we, I think ground has only been broken now for, for this to really start taking off. I see oh. there's massive ground, uh, earth-moving stuff happening on the side of the highway. What is that at Caterers? That Look, look uh, can't uh, quote me, but um, I believe... Not Value Logistics building another warehouse. No, that's actually going to be a new interchange. Oh. From what I understand. It's literally the, the entry is going to change. The, uh, the, the whole look, the whole feel. You won't even be able to get into Cater Ridge, from what I understand, using that current off-ramp. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's quite exciting. So are there things that you can't talk about? Yes. Unfortunately, <laughs> there are things that I can't. <laughs> are there things that you can tell us about Cater Ridge? The, I mean, for people that don't know, the whole harbour thing is somehow moving to Cater Ridge? That is part of the, the new interchange and... What is, what, but what is it exactly? So it's the container depot from Cater Ridge relocating to, uh, from the harbour relocating to Cater Ridge mm. to try and alleviate all the trucks and, and that and reignite the trains okay. from what I understand. So the, ideally they want to limit trucks into the CBD of Durban and Cater Ridge will be the stopping point and the changeover point for everything. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a massive development. I mean, I've heard figures of like 15 billion rand being sunk into this thing. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's going to change everything. Okay, so maybe sooner rather than later? I think best guess is probably five to ten years away. Okay. Uh, I'd like it to be sooner, it would be nicer, but yeah. probably five to ten years conservatively. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that makes you very in the center of the action then. That's the goal. So we want to bring more people to see what's actually taking place here. Yeah. I mean, fortunately enough, from the spa, there's a game reserve. It's called Maibuye. It's massive. It's, 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 it's something I, I don't even know. How to, I, don't, I don't know how to explain in size, but it's, yeah, it's ginormous. Okay, and that's owned by the community, you said? Yes, it's owned by the Maibuye community. I mean, there's a, another guy, a BFG, also, with in conjunction with the community around the back there, like almost on the game reserve, but off, I don't know, like on the border, where they're going to work with the community and they're doing all the printing and that for um, Mr. Price, FNB, and a whole bunch of companies. So they're doing all the advertising materials and stuff too. Where they, is it? Um, it's on the back of pretty much across the street from Spa, on, across the railway tracks and about couple of k's you'll see there's a workshop that's going up i think there's a 500 million rand business or something like that okay 
Yeah, <laughs> we don't even know it exists. And and Hammersdale is a bit further, but there's also some major stuff happening there. Yeah, there's there's a massive uh, upgrade. Ackermans is there. That's uh, called Keystone. Okay. Like it's it's incredible what's actually transpired over the last three years and how that's just morphed into the perfect spot for you to have a warehouse get onto the N3 and not have to contest with all that traffic in Durban. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, people that want to visit you take the exit, exit 57, and there's Camperdown, Super Spa, and the N3 City Mall, or whatever you want to call it. Um, you have a beautiful spa there and Super Spa. Yes. And <laughs> you know, there's a coffee shop, great coffee shop, um, where other tenants being KFC, Infomed Pharmacy, uh, DVD store, oddly enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got all five ATMs, you know, major bank yeah. ATMs, uh, tops. And what it is, is no one, no one really sells meat properly, as far as I, I see it. You know, there's no real craft butcher. And I believe we can be that. We, we can be your, you, know, you, you want to go to Durban, you're coming from Maritzburg, you want to go to Durban for a bra, you want to stop off with us. Mm. Uh, we've also got salt slabs, which is pretty cool. Um, we've, and then the same thing with alcohol. Like, tops, I remember the day my dad said to me, like in 2000 or 2001, two, whenever it was, no, no, he's changing the bottle stores to tops. And I remember thinking to myself, what a stupid name. I mean, and now it's, it's, they've become destinations and of their own. I mean, they literally, you, you can see the change in bottle stores or liquor stores as they were. And the concept, yeah. The concept completely changed. But now, what we want to try and do in, in Camperdown is, there's a difference between a liquor store and, and, and a destination. Let's turn it into a destination. So the liquor store will always be a part of what we do. We can't not sell booze, you know, mm -hmm. but there's more fun in the destination of it, in, in the range, in the tasting of it. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy tasting this stuff too, which is quite fun. Yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's it, it, it's the experience rather than the the act, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And then the salt slab. We have <laughs> to talk about the salt slab because I've never heard of a salt slab before and until I met you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is a salt slab? It's literally a slab of Himalayan crystal salt. Crystal salt. Yes. So not, not the stuff we, we know. No, not the stuff that gets... Apparently it's not real salt. Like, oh. Don't quote me, but from what I understand, they actually bleach it. You know, your table salt that you, oh, okay. you have, it's actually bleached. That's why it looks the way it does. And it doesn't have any real minerals in it. It's 50% this and 50%. I, I can't remember the exact details. But Himalayan crystal salt has, a, I think it is, 34 other minerals that, that you kind of need for your body. So it's a slab of salt that you heat up slowly. And how do you heat it up? Um, either on the stove or on the on a bra, mm -hmm. heat it up slowly because if you heat it up too quick, it literally explodes. It it happened to me. And then like you can a, pick up a, the pieces and put in your salt grinder. That's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> and you fry yourself a steak on, on the, it. On the oh, like, it's just absolutely beautiful. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Johnny, Joao, <laughs> thank you, thank you for sharing your story with us. And on that note. I think we'll be back and, and follow your story further, but on that salt slab. Right? <laughs> Thanks. No problem. <laughs> Thanks, Cheers. Olga. Cheers.